and welcome back to They Made Another One? Where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And I'm your other host, Liam. And this week we are sticking with the horror movie sequel theme that we established last week. Poltergeist was a real slam dunk for us, which I think was much needed in these uncertain corona times. And to make things a little bit more exciting, Liam has brought on a special guest for us. And I would love to introduce everybody to Neil. Hello, Neil. How are you doing? Hello. Good to be here. Yeah. Happy to have you. So um, if I understand correctly, you and Liam go way back yeah we do yeah we we call ourselves the way back boys because we go way back <laughs> is that b-o-i-s uh, yes yeah yeah thought so yeah no we we met uh in elementary school and we were best friends all throughout high school and uh you know we've had to be social distancing for about the past five six years you know ever since we graduated and went our separate ways but we still like to check in when it comes to stuff like this <laughs> specifically this like this is how you guys keep up you keep up via podcast guest slots well we keep up we keep up via sleepaway camp i actually when i asked neil to do this i went into our facebook chat and i didn't have to scroll that far before i found a conversation from a couple months ago about return to sleepaway oh, camp wait i should say yeah we're watching return to sleepaway camp if i hadn't said that yet um <clears throat> which means that we're going to talk about sleepaway camp um, Return to Sleepaway Camp, I'll just intro this now, I guess, is from 2008 and is written and directed by Robert Hilzik, who you may know for writing and directing Sleepaway Camp. And um, <laughs> it stars uh, Vincent Pastore or Pastore, uh, Jackie Tone, Jonathan Tiersten, Paul D'Angelo, Isaac Hayes, Michael Gibney, and Felissa Rose. And um, for anybody who doesn't know what Sleepaway Camp is, I want to turn it over to, I guess, Liam or Neil, if you want to take this, uh, talk a little bit about the cult classic that is Sleepaway Camp a little bit. Sure. I'll uh, I'll give a background and then I'll throw it over to Neil to give his thoughts on Sleepaway Camp. So uh, Sleepaway Camp is a movie from the early 80s, a uh, pretty low budget slasher movie. It was a first time film by this dude, Robert, Robert Hiltzik. And it's about these uh, campers at a sleepaway camp who start dying off one by one, both the campers and the employees of the camp. And it uh, ends in a very iconic, climactic, terrifying I mean, way that I think... We can yeah. we have to explain what it is. We can't yeah, but talk I, about I, either of these movies without explaining what it is. Yeah, but I, I'd rather start by okay. saying that if you haven't seen Sleepaway Camp, you you got to see it before we spoil it. Must watch. You a have, definite must watch. You yeah. have to see at least the last five minutes. I That's know, right. I don't yeah. know if you have to see the whole thing. <laughs> so before, before we uh, did return to Sleepaway Camp, um, and before that idea came up, I, I told Corey that he should see the first one because I was worried about him getting old Boyd where uh, he would watch a remake and then the original would be ruined for him. And that totally would have happened in watching Return to Sleepaway Camp. The original is absolutely spoiled for you. And um, the original to me has one of the most terrifying, arresting, brazen endings I've ever seen oh, in my life. And, and it's, uh, yeah. Sorry, it's important to note, uh, I had actually seen this ending in a in a university film class and just completely forgot what it was so i was able to see this again and at a certain point in the movie i did ultimately remember it but uh, i made it bummer. i made it most of the way through 
without realizing. And then there was a particular line of dialogue that kind of jogged my memory. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's what's happening. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's really good. And it's it's just it's one of those endings that is um, it's talked about a lot. I think it's a very famous image if you're a horror fan. And so I'm so protective of it now because if people have managed to live uh, a lot of their film watching life and horror movie liking life without knowing the end, so exciting to show it to them. You know, I just got turned back on to this movie in the last year or so because I saw that it was on Amazon Prime and I knew what the ending was but my friend who I was hanging out with who loves horror movies didn't know the ending and I said okay we have to watch this because for me um, I had known Sleepaway Camp and the way it ends uh, it feels like all my life I think I had just stumbled upon it on cable when I was a kid and even if I didn't watch the entire movie front to back um, and I don't have that memory. I've just always known what the ending is and, and how wicked it is. And so we watched the movie front to back. I fell absolutely in love with the entire movie. And I had um, a newfound respect for the ending. And since then, I've just been showing this movie to as many people as I can. I showed it to my other roommates. I showed it to my girlfriend on Halloween night this past Halloween. And uh, and then it got me thinking about this sequel Um to Sleepaway Camp that came out a little while ago and how interesting it is that this filmmaker uh, took a 25-year hiatus from making movies and then came back with Return to Sleepaway Camp. And when I started thinking about that, Neil <laughs> was the first person I thought about because uh, he and I watched Return to Sleepaway Camp and possibly even the original Sleepaway Camp back when we were kids, which I don't remember exactly. Neil, why don't you talk about what you remember about Sleepaway Camp? Yeah, we definitely watched the Sleepaway Camp first. And I remember, uh, like, the ending makes it a really amazing movie. But, like, throughout the... Do you want to the... explain it? Somebody has to explain it. Oh, you can't talk it, around yeah. it forever. You do I it, get... Neil. You do it. You got okay. it. You do the honors. So there's, like, a weird girl, I guess. She's, like, very introverted. And she's, like, bullied throughout this whole movie. Um, as, you know, campers slowly die one by one. And uh, it, it's got some weird... Um, acting i don't know how to describe it. it it's like it's just like it's bad but it's good at the same time like it's so awkward i don't know you start to love these characters and the ending is like such a twist and like so terrifying that it doesn't even feel like it belongs in the movie it feels like like a blockbuster uh like an exorcist scene you know in this yeah. goofy um, like movie, it, it, it's truly a magical experience. Yeah, and yeah, why don't, why don't you tell people exactly? What, I want to hear you describe it, Nelly. Just describe that last scene. Like what happens? It's like bone chilling. It is so. If I remember right, they like rush down to the water, worried that one girl is gonna die. Like the the kind of dorky introverted girl, Angela. Angela, yeah, Angela. <laughs> Yeah, that's and right, she's yeah. covered in blood with this twisted smile and she's like staring into the camera and you it, it gives you shivers because it's like she's staring into your face and I'm pretty sure it like zooms out and she's got a wiener and it's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's it's the, that's it's the way of putting a, it yeah <laughs> it's such a twist and it, it almost like doesn't fit it's like why does she have a dick but it <laughs> It makes it so much more terrifying. 
that you just uh you just gotta watch it again um it's true yeah so um just as a quick i guess plot rundown to give a little bit more clarity to what we mean when we say that is um so at the beginning of sleepaway camp there's this family hanging out there's a dad and there's um like a boyfriend for the dad off on the shore there's like two kids in the water and they're hanging out and the short version is they get run over by a boat um and it's unclear who survives that accident and then we cut to eight years later we got ricky we got angela and um their cousins and uh angela who we gather is the uh daughter who survived that opening accident um lives with their aunt now their aunt putting on the wildest most stylistic most out of touch with the rest of the movie performance she possibly could have and um yeah so they go to this camp and um basically angela doesn't talk and gets fucking bullied and harassed a lot and um ricky is coming to her defense constantly to try to make it so that she can try to have some semblance of an enjoyable time but there is a point in the movie where they start sort of alluding to angela being different from other people beyond sort of just being introverted or not wanting to do things um and yeah so i guess the short version is it is revealed that peter who is the brother is the one who survived the accident and um when was when they were sent to go live with their aunt the aunt just sort of christened them angela because she wanted a daughter so it's sort of this forced change in gender identity for this person that we can tell has probably left a bit of um i don't want to say a bit of an impression that's putting it far too softly but like caused problems and it is something that they've had to grapple with for a long time so then the reveal at the end is just to sort of cement that and it's notable that um the movie just ends there there's no resolution Um, (laughs) it's just Uh. that happens in the movie ends and it sounds to me like you guys really like this ending. Is that fair? Like, yes or no? Is that fair? <laughs> yeah, no, that's yes. pretty fair. Okay. Um, I need to say something. <laughs> and, I, and Liam knows what this means because I always intro a thought when I'm disagreeing with somebody. <laughs> Liam's about to quit the podcast live on air. And I feel <laughs> really, really bad for what I'm about to say. Because I know you guys love this movie. Don't say it. We need we need to get Cakey let, back down here. Cakey is Corey's roommate just, and he also loves this ending. We need his it. thoughts. Just let me okay, say yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. A I think the movie is bad. B I think the ending in particular Wow bold and jarring. Very bold. Um <laughs> sucks i'm gonna say sucks and i want to explain why i want you to give me a couple minutes to explain why i do want an explanation yeah floor is yours i i think there's there's a couple things obviously this movie is playing with a lot of complicated ideas surrounding gender which is certainly a more mainstream available topic now than perhaps it would have been in 1983 when the movie was made. But I think my big thing right off the top is that what the ending does, and 
I had done some reading after watching the movie because I needed to find a way to articulate these ideas better. But what the ending does is it takes um, trans people and makes the fact that they're trans the scary, violent thing. And then because there's no resolution, what you're left to realize about that is just that, oh, the thing that's fucked up here is not that this person went around killing people. It's the fact that they present it's the fact that they're a woman with a penis and that's the whole thing and i think that fucking sucks and just fucking like trans misogynistic and shitty and i don't feel like the movie the movie either didn't recognize that that's what it was doing and just wanted to shock people or it is consciously using like a non-cishet body as the thing that is scary which I don't love, which I think is compounded by the fact that um, there's uh, a homosexual relationship scene with their dad that is framed as a traumatizing incident. So this movie's got a bunch of weird shit going on with that, and it's not handling it well, and it's making statements that it's not clear the director is intending to make, but I think on a fundamental level, it's like wildly shitty to a particular group of people, and that's the thing I can't get over, but I'm not rejecting the idea that it's bold and compelling i just think that when you look at what it means and what it represents for the rest of the movie i can't get around that i could totally see what you're coming from because right. like like watching the movie now versus watching the movie as a child is like mm -hmm. two very you know, different eras yeah. i think that's a that's an important it's important to consider that i think all three of us now especially based on when you guys would have seen the movie first have far better understandings and vocabularies to talk about those kind of ideas than you would have when you were like 12. so i i think what stood out like i'm a big big twist guy like i, I it really gets my dick hard like i love <laughs> twists and just the fact that like at the very end where you think it's like oh i know what's gonna happen like it's a pretty obvious movie and just her facial expression is like so haunting well and it's weird and then it it she zooms out and then you're like mind blown you're like what the hell's going on you almost forget about the intro like you almost forget about the whole like yeah. um like what happened at the start but that's it, that's like part of my problem with it is just that it's it's like just shock value and it's not i feel like it's not taking into consideration like what the shock value means um and I think that's made worse by the fact that the movie has no fucking resolution. <laughs> it's just like, here's the reveal, weird animalistic grunting noise, which in itself is a little dehumanizing. And then it, and then it fades to green and then it yeah, cuts the credits. It's definitely not deep. <laughs> it's, it's not uh, like a get out, like, you know, like, oh, wow, it says a lot about society. It's right. very, like, very basic. Yeah. Which... I just think that, like, in... It's a like lack of an attempt to do anything with that material is like the downfall for it. Um, Liam, I don't know. You haven't chimed in much. What do you think about how I feel about this? Well, I mean, it's it's one I've definitely heard before and I've considered um, myself. I think the reason I'm so easily able to push that aside is because um, the movie is so... I'm not going to say inoffensive before that because like we have a pedophile being like openly Early in the vulgar movie, like and pedophilic in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but because it's um it presents itself as a movie that is like so 
um, so not concerned with large ideas. It's it's easy for me to just buy into the ending as uh, the shock value and the way it's um, the way that it's formatted is is what really gets me. You know, like the 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 ending doesn't um, strike me because of of everything it means and what it could possibly be saying because I think I've understood up until that point that the movie isn't saying much and I'm looking not looking for it to say anything and so um but the ending hits me because of you know just the way it uses shadows and the way it uses music and the way the flashback is inner the dreamy flashback is intertwined with the present day so just from like a a base level it really excites me and <clears throat> Um, it also, it, it excites me not because it's making Angela seem scary because I've never been scared by Angela at the end of the movie, um, by herself. I think she's, uh, a really lovable character throughout the entire thing. And I think if anything, the person I'm scared of in this movie is the ant and the ending of the film has struck me not as um, a trans person is uh, lashing out because she's trans because that isn't who Angela identifies with anyway. She's right. someone that has she's someone that has been forced into being someone she's not by mm -hmm. uh, someone that she's looking to trust in, and so um, in doing so, you know, she's been traumatized by her aunt, and so she eventually snaps at the end, not because she's trans, because she isn't trans, but just because she's been uh, so confused with what she's seeing at home with her uh, father having an affair with another man. and Or maybe that's not even what's happening. Yeah. Again, the movie is super I didn't super read it clear. as an affair because he's, the, he's at the beginning with the boat. So I think they're just together. Right. Um, that's certainly possible. I don't want to get too far into it, but the there is a, of sleepaway there, there's there's a there's a podcast called um, How Did This Get Made? And they do an episode of Sleepaway Camp. And I think the first 45 minutes is just them trying to break down the the opening boating scene and figure out all the family relations, because when you really like map it all out in a flow chart which i have done it doesn't make any sense no so, not at all. so again <laughs> movie isn't one that i look to for saying a whole lot because i don't think the director is a very thoughtful or skilled guy and i think a lot of that shines through in return to surprise yeah i think too that like it's reasonable to assume that because it wasn't the director's intent that sort of narratives of um transgenderness have been mapped onto the movie later and what I'll do is in the show notes and in um, the tweets attached to the show, because I don't have them in front of me, um, I will include some of what I read from trans writers to sort of get that in in a more articulate way than I put it. It helped me articulate what I mean, but because like, I don't know, nobody on this call is trans. And I think that it's fair to say, you know, the character also isn't and that the movie isn't concerned with that. But I think maybe it's just because I'm seeing it now. It's the lack of concern with that. That's part of the problem. But um, yeah, I'll include some stuff from some people more qualified to touch on that than we are. And, um, but, and, I, and I definitely think that I can understand when you take the, um, the tone of the movie, which very much isn't really concerned with that kind of thing, 
I don't think it's unreasonable to just be like, and then the twist works because the twist is nuts because it is. Um, I think what gets me about the rest of the movie and um, I don't know if we've touched on this much yet, but there is this like the thing that just bothered me about it. It's so fucking irritating. Um, We're talking about the original sleepaway camp here. Yeah. I just found it irritating. Like a lot of the scenes are really like loud and it's just a lot of people like yelling and like doing whatever. There was just something about it where I couldn't connect with anybody. Everything felt like a fucking caricature or just like heightened summer camp nonsense. And then occasionally Angela just gets really meanly bullied. And I just found it aggravating to watch it. Um, So I would would love to hear what makes this work for you guys. Because I have no fucking idea. I'll I'll go first on this one just because I've seen the movie uh, very recently. Um, and what works for me is I think the age of the characters is is a big thing. A lot of this is going to come from comparing it to Return to Sleepaway Camp because what you're saying about the original Sleepaway Camp is exactly the way I feel about a lot of Return to Sleepaway Camp. So I can tell it was made by the same director. Um, but I think the reason it happens to work in Sleepaway Camp, the reason that this director kind of fumbled into making a movie that I like so much, is because of the age of the characters and um, the the people that are cast. Like, I just, I think uh, Felissa Rose, who plays Angela, just has a really um, interesting look about her. And so I like seeing her be stoic and seeing these other characters exist around her and poke fun at her. But then we have someone like Paul who's trying to relate to her. And that means that um, by the end of the movie... (laughs) (laughs) I think, dude, I think he's trying. I think he's a creep the way that... He kisses uh, her twice without asking. Like, is he trying? Dude. (laughs) I don't think he's trying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he, but he he apologizes, and I think um, compared to everyone else in the movie, and compared to the way most thirteen-year-olds are, I think he's actually like a pretty respectful, thoughtful kid. I guess feels like a bit of a low bar, but we don't have to argue over the minutia of Paul's respectability. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I, I think a lot of people are gonna have a problem with this movie because it is um, it's so like blank and it's so it's really easy to project um like a lot of your own feelings on the movie and um and be bothered by it in that way um and when it comes to the way i watch it i just love putting myself in that summer camp in 19 characters some of them are over the top like meg she like spells her g and like these other characters who like have their own names on their shirts and stuff i just think it's really like how gay the movie is like i like the fashion in the movie i like that the counselors are um like a few years older than the campers and a lot of times you can't tell them apart from the campers especially because their behavior is just as childish because like 17 18 year olds are also still kind of dicks you know they're like fresh off high school and they're just like here dominating the summer camp where there's no rules and stuff and so like i like seeing them Wearing play crop tops and small jeans shorts. yeah and the, like super muscular bodies and so it's just a movie that i really like spending time with i get invested in angela and paul's relationship because it actually it does feel realistic to me i think paul feels like a uh, a 13 year old kid who's like 
trying to get affection from a girl he likes, but also when another honey comes along, he might like stray from his destined path for a little bit Fucking and then feel Judy. bad about it. And I like I like the miscellaneous um, characters that get offed occasionally throughout the movie. I really like how the movie um, leads up to a kill and then it doesn't show you what happened. The tension is released, but you're not off the hook yet until you see the, the gruesome bodies. And I think the makeup <laughs> effects are really good. So it's just a movie that I love being strung along with. And then uh, and then the ending is, you know, such a such a great final punch and i think the imperfections in the movie like the not knowing what the relationships are in that beginning boat scene um mean that the movie is like a bit more intriguing than your just standard slasher movie because it's it's a standard movie that just very occasionally tries to do something very big and isn't quite able to wrestle with it and so it i just end up with like this super uncanny valley fascinating movie and i really dig it i also like um i just like ricky because ricky's just like an incredibly defensive good cousin for angela to have around who is just ready to fight fucking anybody who gives her shit ever (laughs) totally i love him yeah he's good (laughs) um but i think if there do we have anything else that we absolutely need to say about sleepaway camp that you guys want to make sure we get in the context of just sleepaway camp and not return to sleepaway camp. I want to make sure we're not missing anything here. I think yeah. it's an accident. <laughs> I think it's an accidental masterpiece. Is and, what I'll say. and I think it is a train wreck. But um, I think it's. I I think the problem is that it doesn't have ideas, but it's playing with things that very much have connotations, and the movie's not cognizant of that. And that's its biggest problem. And then everything in between is just irritating. But I don't want to harp on that too much because I know that I am outnumbered. So let's move on <laughs> to... We're going to kick your ass, Corey. You're going to fucking dunk me in the Once social distancing is over, we're going to knock on your door. I'm going to buy the... You guys are going to buy the nearest boat and just come at me. That's right. Um, so 25 years later... On the dot, like Liam said, we get Return to Sleepaway Camp from the same writer and director. And sleep Return to Sleepaway Camp is basically, let's say that you agree with Liam and Neil. Let's start with that as a baseline, you, the listener. Return to Sleepaway Camp is what happens if you take everything good about Sleepaway Camp, get rid of it, and then everything else is the same. That's Return to Sleepaway Camp. It's like, what if everything was still here, but there was less attachment to the characters, everyone sucks even more, and none of it's good? I would disagree so much. I think Return to Sleepaway Camp might even be better. Wow. Sleepaway Camp. Are you fucking I, kidding me, dude? I, 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 was, I was amazed at Return to okay, Sleepaway Camp. Okay, okay. Just the other you know night what? when I was watching. You know what? Neil, the attention to Neil, detail. Go for it. Just okay, go, so just like, go, dude. You have to explain yourself. I think like you start off the movie, right? And you're watching um, the main character. What is that, Alan? Yeah, it's Alan. Yeah. Alan, who has Alan. no relation to anybody we've ever seen before. No, and like Alan is like, you hate him at first. You know, you're like, oh my god, this character is like such a whiny, like bully. Like well, and it, it's he weird. deserves everything. Really quick, it's coming his way. Really, like again, 
the movie is being ambiguous with things that are actually really important because I feel like the movie is trying to imply that Alan is neurodivergent in some way, but they never just say it. So you don't know how to fucking read it. And it's super fucking annoying. And it's the same problem as the ending of the first movie where you're like, you don't know what you're doing with this. Stop trying. (laughs) What kind of explanation would you want, Corey? I don't know if like explanation is the word, but I just find it frustrating (laughs) that I guess the reason I find the fresh, the, I find the lack of clarity frustrating is because it, it's causing me problems with how to read like the scenes. Cause I can't tell if, Alan is aware of what he's doing or he's not aware of what he's doing. That's what I like about like, the, like at first you think, Oh, he's obviously aware that he's like bullying kids, you know, but as the movie goes on, I feel like you start going, Oh wait, like this kid obviously has some like mental health issues and these people don't see it. You know, like everybody just thinks that he's doing it on purpose. And like, I think there's like these subtle little nods to the fact that, yeah, like he does have a, like a, something going on like he doesn't change his shirt and if you watch the whole movie like that little detail of his like his shirt just getting dirtier and dirtier like it's something that i completely I, forgot I and like didn't changes see. It, i think he changes it once after he gets attacked by the paintball army oh but that's the thing like i was watching and like he doesn't like you notice that it gets like a little tie-dye because he like falls into the water right uh right afterwards and like it's like these little things well, mostly just that. <laughs> I'm like, wow, like this guy, he was, they were going for something, you know, like to kind of make you hate the character. They were going <laughs> for something. We don't know what it was. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I think there's like a hidden deep deepness in this, this movie. Cause you think it's going to be just like the first one, you know, like with the, the cheesy acting and like, it's it kind of, is that you're like, Oh, like it's good. It's so obvious. He's going to like, you know, Kill the dude in Greece or whatever, and you're like, oh, I know what's happening. But then the ending again, you know. Wait, hang on. Hits you hard. Uh okay. So for me, I don't know. Maybe this is just me. Maybe it's because I had just seen the first one and then read a bunch about it, and it was just where my brain was. But I don't know how you don't see the introduction of a cop character wearing a giant hat, gigantic sunglasses, and a beard with a voice with a thing that obscures their voice, and not think, <laughs> "Well, I bet that's not who they say they are." But, like you, like when I watched it over again, I was like, "This is so obvious. Like it's obvious. This guy. Like you're it's looking. Like, and you're wow, like, I, I wonder look if at that this. might be." Like, it's the only character talking about Angela. Like, it's so stupidly in your face. But when I watched it, you know, like, I remember Liam going, like, who do you think's a killer? And, like, I got it completely wrong. Yeah, yeah. To clarify, Neil and I watched this movie probably the year it came out, 2008. And um, I was just excited about it because I was a slasher fan. I had seen the sequels to Sleepaway Camp on cable late at night. And so I was excited at the prospect of a direct sequel to a movie that I knew was a classic and our local video store was shutting down. And so we just bought a pile of 50 DVDs from the video store and we put this one on and watched it apparently after we watched the, uh, so that's, that's the time Neil is referring to is it's about 12 years ago. We okay. watched yeah. This together. yeah. Cool. 
it's, it's stuck with me. But even like last night, I was showing my girlfriend it for the first time. And like, I'm in her face, like, who do you think's a killer? You know, and she got it way wrong. So I think my girlfriend didn't know either. I watched it with my girlfriend last night. She didn't know either. And she's good at movies, man. She normally has it. Really quick, uh, I feel like we're having a to all the boys I loved before moment. So really quick, I just want to say, not unlike last time, I didn't watch this movie with fucking anybody. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, but, but you watched it with us in spirit. You knew that we loved the original. That's yeah, kind of like having yeah. us over your okay, shoulder. Before we get into the into the details of Return to Sleepaway Camp, I need to say this. As I watched Sleepaway Camp and realized I didn't like it, I got like stressed. Because I was like, how am I going to say this on the podcast? How am I going to admit this? Because I, I went to go review it on Letterboxd. And um, I don't know if you saw my review, but I gave Sleepaway Camp one and a half stars. And I wrote, thanks, but no thanks. And then I realized that you had given it five. And I was like, oh, no. What's going to happen? But... I will say I felt vindicated because while watching Return to Sleepaway Camp, I felt like there was no possible way that you guys would like this movie to the degree you liked the first one. Because, so, um, I don't know if it was just me, but, so this movie came out in 2008, and I swear to God it looks like it's 1998. For starters. Yeah, it does. It it almost feels like it was made a year after or something, except all the characters are very old. Yeah. yeah. So, um, real quick, we haven't really given a breakdown. So, different camp, one or two of the same employees, completely different group of kids, have nothing to do with the original kids. Same kind of thing starts happening, except our, we center on Alan, who, like Angela, is just getting like viciously fucking bullied all the time for no reason. Not no reason. For some pretty good reasons sometimes, and other times <laughs> not so much. Um... And the sort of comeuppance and reveal again is um, Angela, who has escaped a psychiatric ward that I guess she was in, question mark, question mark, question mark, um, and is going after these, like, campers and counselors because people don't <coughs> deserve to be bullied. And then she cackles maniacally at the camera, stares directly into the camera, and the movie ends. Um, yes. But in between, we just get a lot of Alan having like complex emotional problems and uh just getting like coerced into horrible situations like being stripped behind a stage and then put in front of everybody with a bag on his head to be laughed at or attacked by a gang of paintball kids or having all these frogs that are his friends like skinned alive by his shitty stepbrother and um if none of that sounds fun to watch it's because it's not <laughs> but um I do want to say, and Neil, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is part of it that makes it like enjoyable for you to watch it is just like taking that as being like ridiculous and heightened and then having fun with it because of that. Is that part of it? I think that does like take a, like it's part of it. Cause like when we were watching it at the very end of uh, the movie, my girlfriend legitimately asked me a, a good question, I guess. Is it supposed to be as bad, like like a <laughs> scary movie, or is it just like they're actually trying? And I was like almost shocked. I was like, no, like this is this, this is, is art. Cinema. <laughs> this is cinema. Because um, it there's something about it where it doesn't really fit uh, in like a blockbuster movie. You know, it doesn't like it almost feels um, 
like like a like a you know like a terrible like uh like a the room type of deal you know like right it's an overly bad movie but at the same time i feel like it kind of fits in this like a uh, 13 year old headspace of like awkwardness you know kids finding themselves at at summer camp and uh the journey between like hating certain characters and being like oh yeah like he obviously deserves this and then it like escalates and then to the point where you're kind of like holy crap like these kids are the real monsters does anybody though like i don't know if i feel like anybody has like an emotional arc like that or at least not that i noticed at the most karen like doesn't want she says she doesn't want people to bully alan but then participates in bullying alan anyway so it's not that and i feel like alan just has a really bad time the whole time and then everybody else just continues to bully alan I think Alan's breakdown at the end, once he's confronted by his stepbrother, is is actually pretty impactful. I think that's when um, his uh, facade is most torn down, and he's and he's stripped, and he's at his most um, uh, not innocent, but uh, forgivable. I think vulnerable, I think that too. His, his most vulnerable, yeah. I'm with Neil in that I think Alan is absolutely the most interesting character in this movie. Um, and the first time around, when I saw this in 2008, uh, he really, really irritated me. I was, what, like a 12-year-old kid. I just thought he was... So I, I can imagine writing a movie around this guy. Like, there's no protagonist in the, the movie. It's kind of like Carrie, except everyone is terrible, including Carrie. And I, um, that's why I was most dreading revisiting this movie. Um, but this time around, uh, there were actually notes in it that made me really feel for Alan in the way that some of my favorite movies... Um, about bullying do there's there's a movie called bully from 2001 that's based on a true story and at the end um this this uh about 18 19 year old guy who's just been terrible to his friends the entire movie is murdered by his friends another movie uh that i'll mention about every episode now i guess is mean creek where josh peck's character is is obnoxious and shitty and he's a bully and at the end he he breaks down when the other kids finally turn on him and um so that stuff in this movie was definitely the most interesting this time around i actually bought into alan um not from the beginning not you know neil and i had a similar trip through this movie where he's he's entirely grating right from the start and i and i'm just so sick of him but the more time we spend with him uh, the more I got to thinking about this character, you know, I knew people like this when I was in elementary school who would just, it seems like they're asking for it, but but there ha- has to be something else going on under the surface. You know, I sort of, um, I liked his character because of what, I was able to get from it what you wanted from it, Corey, where like I thought that centering a movie around this character is actually a pretty interesting decision. It's not a main character of uh, really any other horror movie I can think of. And I think it's a really interesting swerve from the original film where you have what seems to be an entirely innocent, pure 
character in Angela who doesn't do anything to make anyone angry and they're still bullying her. And so Alan was my favorite part of this movie. And uh, where I do stray is when the Angela stuff is actually brought back in. Yeah, there's no good reason for the Angela stuff to be here at all other than they needed to put Sleepaway Camp in the title. Uh, I can't think of a good reason why it's here other than that but to get more into your point there i think that's like a perfectly reasonable take on the movie i think that though even if you can come to sympathize with alan and i can certainly sympathize like the dude gets absolutely fucking just like hammered constantly by everybody there's something i find frustrating in trying to watch it that just makes me not want to give it the time of day which is twofold. One, uh, all the humor is terrible and it makes me want to never think about the word joke again. <laughs> secondly, it's just that it's so fucking mean. It's so mean. And it never lets up on how fucking mean it is. And I just can't get into that. I can't. I, I just couldn't do it. Like, because it feels like, again, like some of the, a lot of the performances are just like whack and the writing's not great, and you're just dealing with people that you don't like being around, but then it's so fucking cruel. I felt like that was, I don't know, uh, it made me reminisce about my 13-year-old like days, and like I felt the movie kind of uh, felt really relatable to like how you kind of feel at that weird uh, prepubescent like, stage in your life where you're like, everybody hates me. Like, every kids are like mean for what seems to be no reason. Like, I felt the kids were pretty flushed out. Um, I felt like the adults were definitely uh, We like, don't even have to fucking talk about the adults. The adults are nothing. Like, the, I, the adults are surrogates from the first movie, just again. like I did respect how ripped Ronnie was, though. Ronnie was still like, ripped, dude. dude. Still he, was, ripped. he was ripped in the original, and he also looked still ripped, years old still in the original, ripped. and he's still, yeah. still yeah. 60. Still ripped, still can't act. <laughs> like the acting with Ronnie was like so bad that you kind of almost think that he's going to be the killer. <laughs> so I do want to say to your point about the relatability, um, I don't want to like too specifically say this could be the reason, but like as someone who, when I was younger, got bullied, <laughs> yeah. a, a not insignificant amount, maybe I just don't have much time for that in my entertainment. <laughs> But, like, <laughs> there's just something about how unrelenting it is. It's just fucking constant. And if it's not, like, a physical bullying, just, like, the language being used and just, like, the the abject baseline of just negativity and shittiness is just too fucking much. And um, yeah. I think that, combined with me finding things about it annoying, made it hard for me to want to watch it yeah there was really no break in that no. movie eh? it was just continuous <laughs> like there was yeah. no like yeah. comedy or like no. lightheartedness i mean I, there it, were attempts at comedy yeah it's it's a really it's a, yeah it's a tough movie to wrestle with man whereas i honestly get a lot of enjoyment out of the first one and i think it's it's pleasant and it's mostly an easy watch. You know, there's like a five minute softball game right in the middle. Um, <clears throat> this one, it really does not let up and the entire movie. It's, it's, it's a strain to sit through. And um, my biggest disappointment is that I don't really feel like that strain 
pays off. It it almost gets there when um when Alan is bawling and his stepbrother has turned on him and his frogs have abandoned him and have been skinned. But then I think Angela absolutely takes the focus away from Alan in in a way that I think robs the movie of um its uniqueness. I think if it had stuck with the Alan storyline all the way right until the end, I don't know what the payoff would be because I'm not saying Alan should have been a killer, but I just think that this this movie is is sort of burdened by its um Let, by the attachment. But that's what by I was the saying. attachment to the original, yeah. Where it's like it's only called Return to Sleepaway Camp because Angela shows up. This could just be a different movie. This doesn't have to be a continuation of some kind of ongoing overarching story. And I don't think the movie makes a meaningful effort to do that. I also think that I, I can understand being like, there's a lot to wrestle with, but I think in the execution of the film, it doesn't give you enough of a reason to want to commit to wrestling with the things that it's providing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's totally fair. And, uh, it wasn't until the second watch, you know, separated by 13 years that I got anything out of it. I really thought I was going to abhor this movie. In fact, uh, just recently. Any living human being has seen this movie twice. I'm sorry for cutting you off. <laughs> uh, um, just recently, I scanned this movie. It was on YouTube and I was just on a sleepaway camp kick. I remembered this movie pretty fondly from watching it with Neil. Uh, not fondly in that I enjoyed it, but fondly in that it stuck in my brain. And I decided to give it sort of a, a skim through on YouTube. And I was just, again, I was like, man, I, I, I would never want to see this again. Wow, what an unrelenting, just exhausting movie. And this time um it was it, it was exhausting and it was tough but it was when i started to compare it to those other movies i like and when i tried to think of alan not as someone i don't want to spend time with because he's pissing me off but like someone who i should try to think about why i don't want to spend time with him and think of him as a real person um you know in scenes like where he's trying to smoke the weed with his with the other kids in order to seem cool like i thought i thought that was heartbreaking and that yeah. was really, that was really effective to me yeah he really tries to like fit in which is pretty much his like downfall yeah you know and, he tries and, so hard i think and that's... um it was it was in scenes like that that made me think back to my childhood to neil and uh think about myself and about kids i knew like that and it really it really got to me honestly i i agree in that it's easy to see sort of like familiar parallels to like real people that we maybe have grown up with or just experiences that like we've had or whatever in the movie but the thing that i can't get around is i don't know how you can look at the way those experiences are presented and get around that to the heart of the matter that the movie's trying to show you because it's one of those things where it's like i get like wanting to fit in so hard that you try some shit um that ends up being like bad for you or that you've been like put up and you're being like pranked or something but the fact that it was like a five minute scene where two dudes that are stoners so hard literally named weed and spaz (laughs) um can barely speak at all and then make somebody smoke an entire joint's worth of cow shit immediately takes me out of the fucking movie because it's like that's nothing this is nothing this is nonsense like what are we doing (laughs) 
Yeah, the stoners were pretty like ridiculous. I will in, say uh, a stoner getting uh, filled with gasoline and then their mouth covered with a sticker that says don't do drugs and then lit up with a cigarette <laughs> and they burst into flames was the most creative thing this movie had going for it. <laughs> yeah, what, what did you guys think of the kills? Neil, what did you think of the once this movie really got rolling in the last half hour or so? I like liked I enjoyed the kills just because uh, you could definitely see where the budget ran out. And how <laughs> when they were like, you know what, we can't do this. Like they went in all out for the uh, like the grease attack, you know? But then you see like the body fall and you're like, that's obviously a mannequin like it feels like they never got to the point though where they're like what if we just put bees in a bathroom (laughs) (laughs) and like they were i don't know they're pretty creative um you can tell that like i i honestly think that the director just really likes to make these like gory kills and he accidentally stumbles upon a you know a little nugget of gold here and there yeah i think yeah i think everything definitely i think anything good in these movies is an accident Yeah, I, I'm surprised that their budget was four million dollars. Like that's a lot of money. Are you kidding me? Yeah, Dude, four that million. Must have, that must have like all been Isaac Hayes' salary to get him to play the <laughs> chef. <laughs> Jesus Christ! So I don't know. Um, so I watched this on the internet. That's all I'll say. And um, I don't know about you guys, but this movie looked like dog shit. <laughs> like, um, yeah, it. I find it surprising that the first one, I think only had like a, a, a budget of like 300,000 or something like that. And then the second one had like 3 million, which like, it seems like they had the same budget. And it like seems it like that seems budget like, was $18 right, yeah. in a couple favors. <laughs> um, in that Jeep was like, they knew a guy who owned a Jeep. Um, they, they managed to have an actor with an accent because they had found him wandering down a lonesome street one night. <laughs> asked if he wanted to yeah, play a part in a movie. Maybe that guy's peculiar. I have it's yeah. so jarring when the movie starts and you have these fucking teenagers lighting up farts with a lighter and the counselor that comes in is like 45 and British and you're just like what the fuck is happening now? <laughs> yeah, he was a he was a kind of weird character, eh? Yeah, like, and he's like he's real horny and then his dick gets ripped off by a car. Why are, is it just me or did it feel like there was a bit of a saw influence in these deaths? A lot of it feels fairly elaborate. Like the dude who has a parakeet named <laughs> Matilda that he loves gets like his head put in a birdcage and like guy who loves smoking gets burned and then guy who loves dick and cars loses dick with car and like it feels like there was this weird sort of elaborate um, related to a thing a person did element to these kills that feels saw based because by 2008 that would have very much been like in the zeitgeist. Yeah, but, but then but they it... stopped. They like stopped they that. Stopped. Yeah, with the the um, what is that little like the chubby girl like who gets the bed crushed on her like that seemed like out of nowhere or uh, the hole with the spike. Yeah, like, yeah, it's just like hey, uh, you like hanging out in bunk beds that shall be your demise That's what you deserve. um um it is esque and i really dig that um though i think it's important to note that this movie was shot in 2003 that's which is, why it fucking looks like this Fuck, yeah that's why that. there's like people wearing like long sleeves under t-shirts and plaid well, I, mean, I, it's did, like... I did that two days ago so let's not get carried away <laughs> <laughs> um, it feels called out <laughs> um, don't at me 
<laughs> don't at me at all, please. Um, yeah, but God, the, the kills, dude. It. Looks like shit. Yeah, the the kills and um and the weird time period as well. The fact that like it kind of seems eighties, but like it's also like late nineties, and then there might be like some two thousands flavor just because you know it comes out yeah. in two thousand eight. Yeah, we got some mm-hmm. pop punk kids in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, interesting and me that the alan stuff wasn't gonna bring me all the way to the end because i knew how the movie ends and i knew that this isn't bully or mean creek you know um in like the weed scenes when it takes like five minutes for them to smoke weed it's almost like the movie was just there long enough and so my mind was able to wander back to my past and back to um and thinking about alan deeply that i was able to convince myself that like this is this this Wait. movie has worthwhile things in it like but, i was able to stumble into it being a good movie but and i'm only, only able to do that so long so it was really welcomed when the last half hour of the movie starts going hard on these kills because i too had a lot of fun with these i think they're really creative i think um that that it's all of them don't mimic the first movie because I was really worried they were going to do that yeah, after that we get one. the deep frying death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we actually get stuff that is um, really elaborate, still kind of in desperate need of an editor, like the British guy getting the wire around his too dick long. lasts, lasts way too long. Um, <sighs> but like the barbed wire kill and aftermath looks absolutely gnarly. The bunk bed with the nails on the bottom looks gnarly. And so I was able to then just appreciate the movie as sort of a fun slasher movie, which is something that I don't even really get from the first movie so i appreciated that as well but i want to just point out really quick you did have to convince yourself it had things going on it took convincing and time for your mind to wander (laughs) it was not the doing of the movie well i mean that's that's art right like i had to convince myself that um primer had a lot going on too i I, just uh... I had to convince myself th- that uh, this podcast was good. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. The audience <laughs> is doing the same thing right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, where does that leave us? Where are we? What is this? Well, mean? what did you think? What did you think of the kills, Corey? Did you have fun? No. The movie had completely like, lost me. The movie. Did there you? Was, there was no getting me back. Did you have any like you know that uh, the the spike scene with the hole where they keep looking like you didn't find some suspense in that? No, I found it irritating because I was like, just shove it back through the hole. Like, oh, it's so did. obvious. But <laughs> like, I'm like, just do it then. Like, don't make me sit here and sit through your shitty movie where I'm watching these two fucking dipshits look in a hole. Just fucking do it. Let's get on with it, dude. This movie's only right, 90 so, minutes. But- I got fucking places to be. <laughs> All right, so it wasted some of your time, it but wasted. once you saw this teenager pop punk bleached hair man standing with this giant six foot pole in his eye <laughs> and just screaming like he's a Mortal Kombat character before falling into the wall and shoving it into his brain further, did that I not laughed. give you like any I laughed. Joy? I laughed when he hit the wall, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, Half a star. And then, like, <laughs> but like, uh, I just and I feel, I feel, I feel like. I don't I don't feel like I'm not being fair. I'm being fair. But I feel like I feel like a bit of like a party pooper because you guys are like making what I will say are genuinely good and compelling arguments about how um this is representative of or 
reminiscent of perhaps like real experiences that people go through in childhood and awkward transitions, this and that. But it's the execution of that on screen that just destroys any ability to connect with that on a meaningful level for me because it is it's like it's like if you filled a dumpster with bags of nitrate film and then pushed it down a hill covered with people pushing strollers battleship potemkin style <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bunch of fucking big bright flames barreling down a street risking the lives of fucking families and children everywhere holy shit Corey. <laughs> that's quite an image picture of san francisco hill it's real steep yeah so uh dude maybe i guess we should just finish by talking specifically about the ending you know we've all mentioned it in passing but uh angela's the sheriff angela's the sheriff and uh she killed people because bullies are bad and they had it coming right like that's that's the reasoning we get yeah that's that's the whole reasoning we get but is the implication there with the post credit scene as well that she just roams from city to city assuming identities and killing people that bully people is she like some kind of weird vigilante oh dude explain to me the post credit sequence i missed it Oh, um, they just show how she got the sheriff's outfit, which is that oh. um, th there is a her car is like a tire off and a cop pulls over and she's like, oh, my God, this is my boyfriend's car. I have to get home like I can't get anywhere. Like there's something wrong with it. I don't know how to fix it. And the car's like jacked up and the cop gets down and is like looking at it and she just drops the jack on his head <laughs> and we get like a head exploding effect. And then we what? just cut to her looking like kind of sly and then the movie just cuts to black. That sounds awesome. It's probably the most interesting scene in the movie. Holy moly. Dude, whatever whatever I rate this movie on Letterboxd, add, know that half a star of that will be for that final scene. A scene that you I haven't seen, seen yet. <laughs> um, I will say I was prepared to go onto Letterboxd and uh, write a review that did not have a score and imply that that meant I was giving it zero, but maybe I'll have to give it half. You get half yeah, out dude. of five. Do half a star. Half a stars are bold. They look they look good, and people know what they mean yeah. on Letterboxd. So, what, I just want to know what Neil thought about the ending of this movie. Uh, I really... like. I don't see how they could have ended the movie um, in relation to like Alan's kind of arc. You know what I'm talking about? Like He shouldn't have been the killer, yeah. but I don't know how they could have ended it. They couldn't with, like, have. There was no way to do it because they were so committed to the Angela bit. There's no way to do it with a way that relates to Alan. Even if like there was no Angela bit and say like this was a completely different movie, uh, like, you know, just independent from everything, I still don't see how they could have finished this off, you know? So, and uh, you kind of under, like, I kind of, you kind of feel that when you're watching it. You're like, obviously Alan's not the killer, but you try to guess. And it seems... Like, I really appreciate how obvious it is. You know, just how how crappy of a disguise uh, the sheriff Literally, actually can, has. Can we talk about that a little bit more? Like, he's, the, the character's frame is, like, so thin, like, so scrawny. <laughs> like, she, doesn't she's, look like, like, tossing doesn't people like, up. Doesn't look like a typical sheriff. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and no. completely obscuring their face and disguising their voice under the guise of not having a larynx. <laughs> Which, like, but I, like, I don't understand. But like, 
when you watch it for your first time, like not knowing anything about it, you still don't think that the sheriff is the killer. Or at least I didn't. Maybe I'm just... yeah. No, I didn't either. And I, I'm honestly baffled as to how that happened, dude. Like there's, um, I've heard people like refer to the prestige as like a cinematic magic trick. <laughs> and that, I like... thought that was so obvious that the ending. Right, and they're like, "Yo, if you watch the Prestige again, like it's it's gonna be it's so obvious, and it'll it's right in front of you the entire time." But a lot of people watch it the first time. Did a Prestige? And this movie is the Prestige of (laughs) slasher films. Robert Hiltzik is the Christopher Nolan of uh, of the the horror world. Instead of caring about like the relationship of time. In reality, uh, Robert Hilsick's whole thing is a uh, family trees in reality. Yeah, <laughs> none that's of true. them are all fucking. Yeah. They're all fucking jumbled and don't make any sense. <laughs> um, wow. Okay, I don't know what else to say. I uh, I guess we ha- we have to do this. So you have both said that you have shown Sleepaway Camp to people, like mm-hmm. like you have to see this. What my first question is. Do people generally like it? I've never shown it to someone that either didn't love it or wasn't supremely affected by it. My girlfriend never wants to see it again um, (laughs) because the final scene terrified her so much. And before that, we just had fun with it as like a goofy slasher movie. So even if we didn't have the last scene, I think she would have come away saying it's like a it's like an okay fun 80s movie. And the last scene affected her so much so much so that I actually felt bad about it. Like it wasn't fun how scared she was. And then besides that, I've shown it to a lot of my male friends and they've all absolutely had a great time with it and, and been blown away and terrified by the ending. Yeah. What about you, Neil? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like one of those typical cult classic where it's just like, you either love it or you hate it. Mm Kind of like the room where people are like, it's so good. And then they're like, but it's so bad. You know, like you either really like it for what it is or like you just can't get behind it. Yeah. yeah. And so have either of you shown return to sleepaway camp to somebody? And if the answer is no, would you do that? Uh, I did. And um, how did that? Go? She did. Yeah, she did. Uh, she did not like it. Uh, <laughs> at all. Um, and I think it's also like she doesn't like watching the, the gore. You know, like it's very unsettling for her. But she was also like a huge horror movie fan. So I figure it's mostly just like what type of horror movie you like. Like if you want to, if you like jump scares, you're not going to like this at all. But if you want to see a, a body without skin on it, this is your movie. Yeah. This is your movie. <laughs> like this is like, <laughs> so again, like I think it, it all depends. Also, you kind of, you kind of have like, if you, if you go out and you, you really enjoy uh, the room, you know, you're probably going to love this. Yeah. I yeah. Think that's fair. And then Liam, have you shown it to anybody or would you show it to somebody? Uh, so I have shown it to someone, my girlfriend, and that's because everyone in the world is quarantined right now. And she was next to me on the bed when I turned it on. Would I show this movie to someone? Uh, no, because I think Sleepaway Camp, the first one is a total flash in the pan, like strike of brilliance that I think cannot be captured again. I think the fact that this movie is done by the same filmmaker and it doesn't reach uh, those heights and it tries and it fails, you know, in, in the final scene, even if it's surprising that we didn't expect the cop, it doesn't, it's not as scary. Um, it doesn't have the eighties charm. I think a lot of that is because it's dealing with, um, older children. 
Um, and so it's just the magic isn't there. So I wouldn't show this to someone because it's so, so hard to get into with the Alan character. The only reason I would recommend this movie um, is if someone really loves the original Sleepaway Camp, I would say turn it on um, just to, just to kind of complete the saga. And also, if you're a diehard slasher movie fan, I think there's some really interesting kills here. But this movie is absolutely not... Uh, sleepaway camp level to me sleepaway camp is a movie that i would recommend to really any horror movie fan as just a sort of uh touchstone you have to see it before you die um you know it's i think it's really accessible to people that love horror movies you know it's not a, an accessible movie in that anyone could get behind it but i think if you're already erlane then you absolutely have you have to see this movie this one doesn't reach those heights. I wouldn't recommend this movie to someone because it is such a tough watch and hard to wrestle. And um, I, I wouldn't want someone to uh, be so upset by it because I think it's very possible to get really upset by this one. I don't think, I don't think it has a lot worthwhile unless you're you're really a certain kind of person and. Uh, Neil and I are that kind of person. That's why we're best friends. <laughs> and I am not, which is why Liam and I make good co-hosts. <laughs> so uh, in case it weren't obvious, I think that you would be better served by putting on white noise and watching a compilation of 80s commercials muted in the dark than watching the, <laughs> this movie. <laughs> and uh, I don't, I think I, I could recommend Sleepaway Camp if you think what we said about it was compelling or if you want to see that ending. I'm not going to stop somebody from watching it. I wouldn't show it to somebody, but, you know, people can make their own choices. In terms of Return to Sleepaway Camp, um, I would sooner go out on a really hot day and get into a pool that has no shade and float facing the sun for six hours and get a sunburn and then immediately go into a bathtub filled with ice. That Ooh. sounds that sounds like it would be a good kill for the next sequel. <laughs> hey, Robert Hilzik, call me. Um, I don't like your movies, but I'll let you pay me money. Um, yeah. And I think, I think with that... Um, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to another episode. Corey, 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 what? I need to pause you for a second. Oh, no, okay. Yeah, this is a first for this podcast. We have live listener feedback that must be addressed before we stop recording. What? Okay. So I, I have a message here from fan of the podcast and roommate of Corey and friend of Neil Did and I. Did Keiki record something? Keiki. <laughs> and he has sent a question directly to Corey Price. Okay, hit me. Hardball question for Corey Price. Is it fair to say his problems with Sleepaway Camp are similar to his problems with Old Boy, where the film is dealing with some subject matter that deserves more respect and he feels that the movie is using it for cheap shock? Put that in your viewer mailbag and smoke it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good um, question. That is a good question. I think... The answer is probably yes, although I was not thinking about that when I reacted to Return to Sleepaway Camp. But I think if you look at it in its totality, the problem is the same. And 
I think the problem again is the fact that, especially in the case of Old Boy, and here, it's a question of what I've said several times already, which is execution. Which is you can work with these ideas. They're not off limits ideas. They're things that exist. You can put them in art, but you need to do the work to put it in your in your movie. You need to talk to the right people. You need to understand what it is that you're dealing with, and you need to present it in a way that is thought provoking, perhaps bold and shocking, but still fucking tactful to what you're dealing with. And I feel like in everything from twist endings to just needlessly cruel bullying, the movie just refuses to do that. And because of that, it's losing any sort of hook it would have to bring a viewer in beyond just like, whoa, dude. And it's like, well, fuck, no, this isn't just whoa, dude. And it's the same thing with Old Boy where it's like, that twist, which is like, I don't know, go listen to our old boy episode for that, I guess. I won't spoil it here. But like, it's not just, wow, crazy. It's like, no, this has like implications that you're not addressing or the way you're addressing it is fucking silly in a way that it should not be. I there hope that go, is Kiki. a sufficient answer. Uh, Kiki, who could have just come downstairs and asked me that question to my face. <laughs> um, Because... uh listener update i'm still in liam's kitchen i haven't left since last time we recorded (laughs) um but yeah you know feel free to send us more questions that we can answer on air because it's fun and you'll get me ranting which i'm sure (laughs) this podcast definitely needs more of um thank you to everyone listening once again for checking out another episode of they made another one you can find us all over the internet on twitter at they made another all one word on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else as they made another one. You can also find us on a Letterboxd at TMAO, and that will most likely link to the reviews that Liam and I put up on the site. Um, If we have a guest and the person has a Letterboxd and reviews it, I'll put that there too. Um, That might not be 100% up to date yet, but we're working on it. Uh, You can send us emails at TMAOpodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and what your favorite twist in a horror movie is. I think that would be a fun thing. And um, Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallo. And Neil, thank you very much for coming on the show. I hope that if you come back in the future, we can talk about a movie that I don't feel like screaming at. Um, I hope I hope Thanks you enjoyed it. It was uh, it was fun to have you on. Um, do you have did you have anything you wanted to, sh- to plug or shout out or anything? Do you just want, do you want to say hi to somebody like your parents or something? I don't know. You can do whatever you want. No, no. Uh, do not try to find me. That's it. <laughs> Neil is an enigma. <laughs> That's okay. Well, we're not topping that. So you can find me on Twitter and Letterbox at Mr. Corey Price. Do not try to find Neil. He is undecipherable. <laughs> And, uh, fuck, I don't even know. That was very funny. Um, I don't know. Fucking listen to more of our podcast next week. Um, catch us here for more. They made another one. Don't try to find Neil. (laughs) Bye. That was awesome.